Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Season two, people, we are doing it differently. We are taking your suggestions and turning them into shows. So get at us on Twitter, Two Black Guys Good Cred. Hit us up. Get in the game like Tammy. Tammy from Temple University in Philly. She's getting her first car and she is trying to decide whether she should buy or lease. So we took that concept a step further. We two black guys did. And we decided to do own, rent, lease. That's what we're talking about. Homes and cars. So let's do it. Big Sean, Tammy from Philly sent us a question about buying versus leasing. And we blew it up into a bigger show talking about own, rent, or lease. Why? Why was this important, man? Tell me. Come on, man. People's two biggest purchases of lifetime, as you know, is either going to be buying a house or leasing or buying a car. How could we have a show? How could we be two black guys with good credit and not discuss people's two biggest purchases in a lifetime? Come on, man. Let's just get this show popping. Don't ask me those kind of rhetorical questions, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There you have it. Big Sean has spoken. He does it every week, people. Dion. The lady with the facts, can you please give us a little history of, you know, the idea of home ownership in these United States of America? Yes, sir. Well, in 1931, you may have heard of Herbert Hoover, our 31st president. The Hoover Dam. Seen it. That's right. Well, he was he's famous for several quotes. Um, He actually called the idea of owning one's home as the sentiment deep in the heart of our race and of American life. God, Sean, he knows you so well. <laughs> Doesn't he? <laughs> so the term American dream traditionally has meant the ability of all Americans to attain a better standard of living, including owning a home, an automobile, and having access to higher education. So the term first appeared in 1932. It was coined by James Truslow Adams in his book, The Epic of America. So there you have it. Now, Sean, we all know you're, you feel very strongly about the idea of owning a home. Yep, I feel very strongly about owning a home. Correct, I do. To me... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's been one of the best decisions I ever made in my life, and I wouldn't be you know, here probably doing this show had I not decided to, to purchase real estate. You know, it's, home ownership, though, it's not, it may not be for everybody. It's a commitment. To me, it's a tangible asset, much different than a stock or bond. It's a touchy-feely thing, you know, and it's something like you have to put your energy and love into. But I believe, I truly believe, you know, if you do your homework and you buy right, it'll be your greatest investment of a lifetime. Just to drop some stats for you. Uh, since the middle of the 20th century, the U.S. home ownership rate has fluctuated between 62 and 70%. According to CNBC, it sat at 63.4 in the second quarter of uh, 2015, the lowest level since the mid-1960s. Wow. So the reason for the decline, one, downsizing efforts of aging baby boomers, which makes sense, Mm -hmm. Um, elevated housing prices in some of the high population markets, again, makes sense. And then, of course, we've been hearing this time and time again, high student debt loans. That prevents many of these younger buyers. You know, they don't have enough money to save for a down payment. I own a home and I don't know if I'm always the big fan. That's right. Because, you know, as a kid growing up, I was never really presented with the options 
any other options other than home, owning a home. It wasn't even presented as an investment. It was presented as the right thing to do. You go to school, you get an education, you get married, you buy a home, you have children, on and on and on. But it was never really presented as a real estate financial option. You know, I hear you, t- I hear you talk in your beautiful California home, you know, and, and discuss this, but I have fared so well with real estate and it's done me so well. And like people fall into problems when, when they don't do their homework and they make an emotional purchase, you know, and then, you know, my other thing that I talk about too, so I want to make one more point on this is that, you know, it, it, if you don't fare well with it and at least you pay it off, guess what? You're putting something, you're giving something to the next generation. You know, you're building that generational wealth, which I am a huge fan of passing something on for the next generation. So even if you don't make a lot of money on it, maybe your kids, your nieces, your nephews, your grandchildren, maybe they will prosper from your work. Hey, I hear you, big dog, but let's be clear. Those are all things you can do with a stock. Um, and renters, yes, you can do all of those you things. Can't you can live pass in your on stock. the stock. You, you, you can't, can't live, live in it. You can't, you okay, can't you can't live, in, live in it, but it's not like I'm... It's not like you're going to buy stocks and be living out of People a cardboard don't get it. Like, box. To me, I mean, you stocks, will be living you somewhere. Your stocks go up and down. But it's, it, I mean, at the end of the day, until you exercise the stock, it's just a piece of paper you're getting every month and making you feel like you're rich. Well, that's the same thing with equity in yes, a home. I agree. But that's later on. We haven't gotten there yet. We're, we're going to get there. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you a chance to volley that argument okay, across the table. But for right now, what I'm trying to say is that most of the things that you just discussed, you can do in the stock market. And renters don't have to come up with this crazy down payment. They can take that money and put it into other things. They also don't have to pay for renovations. They don't have to pay for repairs and maintenance. And by paying lower monthly overhead costs, they're able to enjoy greater flexibility and less stress. They also have the opportunity to take that saved money and put it into something that can pursue a higher return, like the stock market or business even. But if you really want to know whether you're winning or losing by renting versus owning. Have any of you heard of the break-even horizon? I have. Wow. You get the toast, Darlington. <laughs> I have you. before the show. <laughs> uh, well, the break-even horizon is the number of years after which buying a home is more financially advantageous than renting. So mm-hmm. to your point, Sean, they're saying the decision to buy or rent a home is really a choice between buying a home that you hope will appreciate in value... Mm-hmm. Or renting a home, spending less on housing, at least in the early years, and as you said, investing the difference in stocks or bonds. Let me just say this. If you, know, if you own your home and have a traditional mortgage or you buy all cash over a period of time, you're going to, and most cases, and we're taking in general terms, or outliers, of course, you're going to gain equity. In other words, the value of your home is increasing and the difference between what you paid and what your property is worth is called equity. And in my opinion, renting mm-hmm. can give you a lifestyle of less responsibility. I agree. But equity can be life-changing. You know, So smart real estate buyers that own multiple properties that leverage their initial equity. And, and that's my story as well. I really traditionally only found the money to buy my first property, which was a co-op. And from then, I went to brownstones, to commercial properties from that one purchase because I leveraged the equity. Equity is a game changer. I agree with you. If you have equity in your home, it's amazing. But let's be clear. You live in Brooklyn, New York, which has been one of the hotbeds of real estate in the entire United States of America. So you're looking from a very elevated position. Across the rest of the country, you think the guy that lives in Nebraska, Oklahoma, 
Houston, Texas, all these places, that his equity is rising at the rate of you living in New York. And so the reality is when it comes to equity, you have to have it to exercise it, number one. Number two, you have to exercise it to actually see the benefit of it because there are many people there are old people that lived in a house that they bought for 100000 that went up to 300000 that then went down to 150 or 75000 And when they could have leveraged the equity, they never did. Second thing, you don't get any equity for almost 15 years of owning a house in most situations. So most of your mortgage payments, most mortgage payments that you're making in those first 15 years are interest, taxes, and insurance. Dion, can you please highlight what I just said. Absolutely. I, I just want to just add in there that you actually have to get 20% equity into your home before you can even take out a loan or what they call 80% loan to value. So for those who don't know, that is um, the term lenders use to express the ratio of loan to value of an asset purchased, right? right. So you can tap into that equity through a home equity <clears throat> loan or refinance your mortgage to secure a lower interest rate or longer repayment window. But like Arlington said, you have to exercise it. Exactly. Exactly. And then the other part, I know Sean has you thinking if you buy a house, it's glory days. And if you rent, you're in like a little roach motel <laughs> with nothing to do with your money except play Nintendo become, all day. I become your landlord, your greedy <laughs> landlord. You can rent. Rent to me. I need people like you. Right. You can be my I, landlord. I, I, That's I okay. Renters, so, yeah, if you rent, I, what I, you, 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 you face greedy what landlords like me. What I'm trying to say is... <laughs> okay, well, that's okay. You can be the greedy landlord because let's be clear. In 2009, the Dow was valued at 6,000. In 2015, the Dow is now at 18,000. It has risen three times its value. And one of the things we have to be clear on is in traditional homes, and we, you know, people you have, like Sean said, you got to take out your pen and pad when you're listening to our show because I live in Los Angeles. Sean lives in New York. These are probably two of the hottest real estate markets consistently throughout America. You really can't deny. The coasts are always popping. But there's a huge country here. And suppose you live somewhere in Montreal or Ottawa or Barbados, whatever. Homes traditionally rise at the rate of inflation. Homes don't just quadruple overnight. They rise at the rate of inflation. So most time when people say, hey, my home has risen. Well, yeah. So as inflation, that's why it's gone up. So as the price of bread, so as the price of milk. So they all rise together. So when we talk about these homes, we have to be clear of what's going on, where the real gains are. And truth be told, the market outperforms real estate all the time. Okay, okay. So I, I guess what you're telling the whole world is that if only if you live in New York City should you buy real estate. Is that what you're trying to say? No, I'm saying that New York has a very specific market that you've benefited from these last Don't few years. Don't hate the player, dog. Don't hate the it's player. It's not the I same. Came, my dude. <laughs> I strategically chose to live in New York. New York didn't choose me. I chose New York, my dude. I chose Brooklyn. <laughs> I hear you, Sean. I, you know what? I do concede you made a great choice. But the other thing, too, is, you know, some people are just not interested in tying up their cash in a non-performing or weak-performing asset. I have family. My family never tapped into their equity my, that own property. They, but they now live in properties in their, when they're in their 50s and 60s where they own nothing. They just pay their property taxes once a year. I don't think that's a bad lifestyle either. No, it's not. But you do have to consider when you don't leverage that equity – 
what's the opportunity cost? Because when you lose equity, we know the real estate cycle, it's 15 years. When the market goes down to the market coming up, that could be 15 years. I think people always talk about the housing market like it only does one thing, go up. But the reality is it can rise it can fall and it can stay the same. And sometimes it might even do a combination of all three. Your property, for most cases in America, will tell you overall in America, your property is rising. It's rising and you're paying off the loan. So it's really giving you that equity at a, ra- a faster pace than you think. And, you know, for that, you can leverage that or you can just pay it off. And like I said, pass it on to the next generation. And that's all I have to say. And that's something that you can't, you can't, that's immeasurable. Okay, so that's what I want to leave. Please, let's go to the next section. Close this out. All right. See, I always get the last (laughs) word, people, because I keep the show moving. All right. (laughs) Two black guys with good credit. Sean just left his property for the next year. And, you know, that really was a touching moment. But uh, I'm just going to go back to watching my stocks and my my rental unit. We're back like Eddie Shack. We're talking own, rent, lease. Dion. Yes, sir. This is specifically Tammy's section. <laughs> she wants Listen to up, know, Tammy. should she rent or lease? Set it off for Let me, Let me tell you, we're leasing. We are leasing. There's actually a really right. great article uh, in the Business Insider. They stated Americans are leasing cars more than ever, according to it. Finally. Yes. There was a survey done in 2016, yes. actually, earlier this year. The rate of leasing in the United States was higher last year than any time in more than a decade, according to data wow. provided by Edmunds.com and Kelly Blue Book. So more than one out of every four are renting vehicles. You know, it's very nice. simple to me. I never believe in owning a depreciating asset, especially now an asset that's going to cost twenty thousand plus, sometimes up to a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand? What are you driving? Oh God! What you driving, player? I'm out here at you like know you, know, you know, I got four you know wheels and, a, and an engine. Oh, yeah. Come on, this is the best setup for you to say. Dion, did I lay the table for him to get this in? What are you driving again, Sean? I forget. 2016 Black on Tan Range Rover Sport. Come on. There it is. Not the tan. Let's talk about it. Dion, it wouldn't be a show if he didn't mention that car. Guess what I do, dog? I don't own the car. Range Rover owns the car. I write off the lease payment. Why would I not? Why would I want to own a declining piece of crap? At the end of the day, you're absolutely right. As much as I brag about this, it's a piece of metal crap that I can't wait to give back after three people, three years that people love to get attached to. You jest, but you're absolutely right. I mean, from the time you drive the car off the lot, the value drops by 20 percent and you will never see that. Dion, don't think I didn't catch the fact that you said you jest. (laughs) You like that, don't you? I try to elevate the show. I, you know, you keep it highbrow, I swear. You keep it highbrow. Because that guy over there on the East Coast, sometimes, you don't know. But yes, I agree with both of you. Leasing is phenomenal. And a portion of the car's depreciation and financing cost, as Sean said, can be deducted. And let me just tell you guys, when you buy a car, the interest on the loan when you buy a car is not deductible. There you have it. And the U.S. lease rates are so favorable. I'm not sure why would you want to own. People, you know, don't you like driving a new car every three years? I mean, that's how I reward myself. 
that fresh smell of <laughs> leather that? in the car is like it's it's a reward, like the knowing that nobody else touched this bad boy except you, you know. And and you know, and in one thing, it's just that feeling of knowing that hey, this is me. I'm gonna adjust the to how I <laughs> I'm gonna smell that leather every time I get in. You know, I'm gonna just wash my car with water on the inside until that leather smell goes away. Come on, that is priceless. <laughs> this, this is just, <laughs> this is just sounding like something shot. other than a car. Huh? <laughs> that. This is sounding like our show just became X-rated, you know, and we're talking about a car. Get back to our, Men and uh, let's cars. get back to our other shows. You know, it's credit, no, credit, credit. I just gave you the scenario of being, enjoying that smell. But if your credit ain't right, you better step off this lease train. But if your credit is right, you're going to be all right. You understand? <laughs> yep. Yep. I heard that. And leasing is cheaper than buying a car. And Dion, I know you can elaborate on this for me. It sure is. Now, with a car lease, you actually only pay the difference between the car's price and what it's expected to be worth at the end of the lease, which is what they call the car's residual value. So, for example, if the car's residual value is 55% after three years, that means, say the car's 30,000. The car would, would be mm-hmm. worth sixteen thousand five hundred at the end of the lease. You'd make right. lease payments on the remaining thirteen thousand five hundred, not the full value. Can I just jump in here, Dion? Sure. I am so glad you gave this piece of information because I've been leasing cars since I was like sixteen years old, and I always knew when your car has a high residual value, your lease payments are always low. But I never understood why. So thank you for breaking My that down. absolute pleasure. Let me just get into this before. So let me explain the rules of the game. Because there's always rules to the game. A, a lease is a contractual obligation. And if you don't understand, adhere to the rules, then you're going to get screwed. So let me just say that if you can't... True. One important thing to lease is that the mileage, okay? They give you certain thresholds of mileage. You can either choose a 10,000, 12,000, or in most case, 15,000 miles. And you got to know you. And you got to... What do you have on your car? I do twelve. I do twelve thousand a year. That gives me a thousand. That's you do a twelve. I that's do fifteen. A thousand, and I break it down. That's a thousand miles a month, two hundred fifty miles a week. And you best believe I monitor that. And if I am going over my mileage, that sexy black Range Rover sits in the driveway, and I'm the first to take the bus. And you'll see me on the bus, very proud, taking it because I am not going over my miles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Because those miles, it always seems like a small thing and it adds up. And there's nothing worse than paying, returning a car and then you have to pay a thousand, two thousand, five thousand for miles. My sexy 50 year old baby mama, Janet Jackson, would say, I have control. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, again, he sings and singing and the Range Rover make it into every show. Every show. But I do commend you, Sean. You are disciplined. Listen, I've given my car back when I'm supposed to run 36,000 miles. I've given it back at 35,999, and I drive the block to give it right back at 36,000 and say, here, take the keys, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you lease, Sean is right. When you lease, if you can't control your miles, this is not for you. But also, another benefit of leasing is it requires a very small down payment. So if you don't have 20%, which is typically asked for when you buy a car, if you don't have 20% to put down, 
Leasing may be an option for you, but as Sean said before, it is about having good credit. The other pros of having a lease car is that the warranty covers the car. It's usually for like 50,000 miles. If anything goes wrong, you drive it back. But if you have kids that tear up your car and you know who you are out there, leasing may not be for you because they've gotten smarter at this lease game. They now hit you with what they call wear and tear fees. Wow. So while we're pro-lease, you have to know who you are, what your family life is like, what you're able to do, because owning may still be the thing it's for true. you. And like, you know, I know on this show you tried to you pushed me to find one good thing about owning a car versus leasing. And I struggled, but I found a few. And like Arlene said, when getting back to the family initiative, if you're a family that needs more than one car, it may be wise to lease only one car and purchase a second car. But I would suggest a second car isn't financed either. You don't want to have two payments for cars. I would say buy a reliable hoopty and truly use it as a plan B car. You know, if, you're, if you have a teenage son, let him use that. If you're, your significant other needs to go to the corner store real quick or you guys need to split apart and you can't really share a car, for instance, then use a hoopty. You're, and let your lease car do the bulk of driving and, you're, and, 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 you know, have this second car as a plan B. I would say in that case, I wouldn't suggest leasing two cars. I would say, you know, lease one, buy a hoopty. I hear you, but wouldn't the hoopty be the primary car and then the lease car because of miles be the secondary car? And then lastly, are you putting your girl in the hoopty? While you're running in the range, I'm, I'm not Listen, clear man, on this. If you want to roll with me, you got to go through all facets, okay? You know, when, when I'm up, you can enjoy when I'm up. When I'm down, you got to roll with the down. Sometimes I, I may meet them in the hoopty and see what their reaction will be. You know, my brother had a car. We called it the <laughs> conversational car, okay? This car had no stereo, no nothing. So if you want to get to know me, we're going to have a deep conversation. And we call it the conversational piece. It was always our first date car. We'd ride them in the conversational piece. And I remember one time, I, the window would not go up. And I drove down the FDR in a thunderstorm, drenched in rain. And, and the other person drenched as well. And all I could say at the end was, oh, well. And as soon as my brother, I brought that car back home to my brother, he grabbed those windows with two hands like a suction cup and pull that window up and said my dude this is how you pull the window up in the conversational piece so for all you guys single guys out there buy a conversational piece card throw out the stereo throw out the wife spotify all that let's just have a conversation trust me well listen you know i feel sean's brother has more topical clothing wasn't he the guy with the leather jacket the potato sack jacket the potato sack jacket now he has the conversational car i like this guy but listen we were definitely pro lease here i, I know i've been cutting you off this whole show and we, we, we trained ourselves not to do this arlington but i gotta make one more point to close out this section can you please let me do that please it better be good man it better okay, be good if you don't if, you know you listen to arlington and i go back and forth but this is the one thing i want you guys to leave with in this section whether you lease or buy a car putting extra money Money down is really a waste of your money. You know, it's really telling the dealership that I am not disciplined enough to manage my finances. So instead of putting extra money down, put that extra money in a savings account and earn interest on it and chip away out of it every month and, and use it towards your car payment rather than giving it to the dealership up front like that. And if you really don't understand what I'm saying, please email us or tweet us and I will personally respond to you guys and explain it in further detail. That's it. All right. That is a great point. And also take your calculator into the dealership because they are pros at turning the right-handed cost to the left side of the balance sheet. But we were pro-leasing. Okay, so we're pro-leasing. 
We challenge any of you out there who are pro car ownership to tweet us at Two Black Guys Good Credit. Tell us about the benefits of owning a car that we couldn't find or didn't know of. We dare you. Double dare you. Double dare you. Exactly. Two black guys, good credit. We're talking own, rent, lease. Dion. Yes. (laughs) We're looking at like, what are the future trends in homes and cars? Can you help set this off for me? Absolutely. Well, there's a, quite a bit of talk around, you may have heard this savvy little generation, the millennials. Yep. Well, they were hit Sean, aren't you a millennial? Recession. <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> I mean, they're ages between 18 and 34. They grew up on the internet. So they're also the ones that really like to, you know, find their services there too. Right. So whether it's Spotify, Netflix, Zipcar, Airbnb, you may have heard of those. For sure. They're customers that want flexibility and access to a wider range of goods, whether it's music, movies, apartments, or cars. Totally makes sense to me. <clears throat> Does that set it off for you? That's a, that, that set it up nicely. But let me tell you, mm-hmm. I came across a little article that dubbed them the cheap generation. Oh. Yeah, Derek Thompson and this guy Jordan Weissman in the Atlantic called the millennials the cheapest generation because they're reluctant to buy things. They don't want to buy cars, music, luxury goods. They don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. They're more interested in what's being called a sharing economy. So instead of owning the thing outright, they just Mm -hmm. want to access the product without the burden of ownership. Uber, zip cars, you know, that kind of stuff. That's their deal. So it's more about cheapness than cheap savvy. Okay. First of all, I just want to apologize to all the millenniums out there on behalf of two black guys with good credit. Arlington has made a comment that is, to me, uncalled for. Because this generation, they are not cheap. They believe in about getting their best bang for their buck. Hey, don't be and mad at me. Like you back I'm just citing an like article. You all intend, well, you, they have to go to the library and look through the index file to research information. Whatever. You still have that abacus? <laughs> 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 They're able to go onto the internet and price compare and shop. And- Sean, you are so right. I did. I also pick up a few more stats myself. And they are saying millennials have a reputation for doing the math. Um, so there was a recent study done by Edmunds.com. They found the percentage of millennials who are leasing cars, just to give you an idea, is up 46% over the last five years. It's true. Like, you know, getting back, I don't want to I don't want to harp on the car thing and the leasing, but I gotta say, you know, with the dynamics of cars changing so fast, it's all it's on 60 minutes, all over the news. These cars are gonna be driving themselves in no time. Like when my son is 12 in December, and he's by the time he gets ready to drive 16, I'm scared that he may not even need to drive because he's gonna get a car that's gonna drive himself. True. So why on God's earth would you want to be stuck with this old I have to drive myself gas guzzling piece of crap? I oh. see people still driving with headphones on and CD players <laughs> like I'm the man. And they're, right? and they're doing, oh, Sheila, and bopping their head in the car. Come on. You could be driving hands-free, listening to Spotify. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. My bad. My bad. You paid off for that bad boy. Well, you know, congratulations to you. <laughs> uh, well, Sean, you're, you're on the money. And that's exactly why they said those, those uh, percentages went up. They said, what, like you said earlier, they want, want more for their money in the short term. And they want to have the most updated technology. Now, I actually just want to go through the whole concept of collaborative consumption because we've been talking about it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. It's also known as access-based consumption. 
So instead of buying and owning things, they're saying consumers want to access goods and prefer to pay for the experience, which I thought was quite interesting. So we've talked about possibly being cheap. We've talked about them doing the math. But now they're also saying they, it's more about the experience. That has become the latest buzzword for everything. Right? It's the experience. It's, it's retail, you know. whether it's online. This is where it's going. So this was actually a paper that was done uh, by some academics who studied the issue in 2012, and it appeared in the Consumer uh, Research Journal of Consumer Research. If you want to find out more, gotcha. You know that's why. Why do you think? Why do you think like Zipcars, Airbnb, and Uber are doing so well? And I, and I actually just used Uber for the first time when I was in Miami last weekend, and I was like, wow, this is really a cool thing. Like, I mean, you can you can take an Uber, and then you can group an Uber with like you know, they oh, pick somebody else oh, up on the way, and your oh, car goes. Oh, oh, I know. As a millennial, you can take I a, I know, you what kind of millennial are you? You I can take an Uber in Bangladesh, <laughs> and you just took <laughs> one just, in Miami for the first time. <laughs> Yeah, I still I did it for the first time. Like, I just like that a stranger sat in the car with me that I didn't know, and we're like gonna pull this ride together. I'm like, yo, I don't know, you don't know me, but we gotta so do a pool you thing are here together. A millennial, right you pay six, I pay six. Yeah. You did an Uber pool. So, you know, I did an Uber pool. So you're like, you know, who needs to own or lease a car? You're like, I honestly, to God, I would not own that bad boy. 2016 Black Ranger or the leather interior, pan leather interior. If I didn't need to get my butt to my store, I would just Uber it and lease it. I'm, if I worked in Manhattan, I'm not owning a car. What, what for? You know, I you know well, my money should hey. stay in my pocket. You know, I really believe that. And I think with all the access of all these things that are happening out there in the world, like you really, you can really weigh your options and really find creative ways to save money, but still get the re- end results that you want. And that's what this millennium generation is doing, which I commend them for. Sean, I totally hear you and agree with you. And to keep it, you know, to keep our show global, because sometimes we're a little landlocked, North American landlocked. Germany has developed. A, did you say Dunka, brother? Really? <laughs> Dunka like He's in so a donut? Worldly, yes, because it's his many, 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 many. Travels. Travels. Many. In the, American Express Lounge. I've been to Germany. Don't hate the player. I hate the game. Yeah. Once again, I've been to Germany. I man. feel I've you. I feel Germany. you. Well, if you've been there, you would know they have this thing called Drive Now. And it's basically like city, bag, city bikes that are popping up all over where you hop into a car, you drive it wherever you want, you jump out and go on about your business and just leave the car right there for the next person to pick up. So I could so see that in Jamaica. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, also got it. We also have an in Canada car to go, so it's catching on. Exactly. Um, but just to kind of transition out of that um, topic and into Sean's first love, real estate. Wait, I thought it was his range, really. Oh, that's true. <laughs> no, no, let's get it straight. Let's get it straight. It's real estate because I'm going to tell the audience, real estate bought the range. So let's get it right. True real that. estate comes first. Real estate comes first. Got it. Got well, it. Well, just. Wanted to you know bring in another uh, trend that's happening in that in that arena, and that's according to a 2014 article uh, in last year's U.S. News and World Report. In the first quarter, home ownership for Americans, surprisingly 35 and under, declined to 36.2 percent, the lowest on record since the census started actually tabulating. That's interesting because see, I came up. Now we got dueling statistics here because I came across one. It's it's 
maybe it's not a full-on head-to-head, but it is interesting, however, that the median age for first-time home buyers hasn't changed in over 40 years. In 2015, it was 31 years old, and in 1970 to 74, it was 31.6. So it hasn't really oh, changed. That is interesting, actually, but I will say that I don't think we're dueling, Arlington. We're still on the same page. Okay. Because that was more about the median age. That right. Happened. Okay. See, I, I never want to be at war with you, Dion. No. The other guy no. in Brooklyn, no problem. <laughs> you are an ally. But Thank you. They did say, however, that millennials are renting a little bit longer, and that, that ties into the initial stat you gave to uh, jump off this topic, which is they're buying, they're renting for six more years and then they're buying later on. Because millennials are trying to save the world, man. They got no time to buy real estate. <laughs> you know, we do a class, we do right? a workshop series at the university in Canada at Ottawa U, big up to Ottawa U. And, you know, it's amazing to hear what these, these millennials are trying to do in life. Well, you know, when we were going to school, it's all about let's just get a job with Procter & Gamble. Let's find a great job, make money, find a great job. These millennials are like, I want to create new water. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna... No, they are changing. Well, the funny thing is they are changing the world, but they're coming out of school with a lot of debt. But what millennials are saying in regards to their living spaces is, yes, they want homes because... You know, they want to have control. When you rent, that is one of the downsides. You may have to move. You may have to get out. You may not be able to put in hardwood floors and deal with funky carpet. So they want homes. (laughs) You're absolutely right, Arlington. And just so you know, there are signs of young people warming up to the idea again, as of a study done uh, March 2016. Buyers 35 and younger are actually now buying more than the Gen Xers and even more than the baby boomers. And that was a study done by the National Association of Realtors. So things are looking up. Wow. Well, looking at the future of cars and homes, we have looked into the future and realized it is a mixed bag of nuts. No one really understands what these millennials are doing. Half of the future will be owning homes. Half will be sharing them with six people. Half will be leasing a car. Half will be buying a Range Rover with tan interior that drives itself. So, (laughs) keep it locked, two black guys. We tried to bring out the crystal ball, and, you know, the future will be what it will be. Que sera, sera. All right, people, before we go, we're going to hit you with our bottom line and the takeaway. And this week, my bottom line is... Whether you own a home or rent a home, it's a choice. Lease a car or buy a car, it's a choice. Well, not really in the case of buying a car because that's quickly becoming a thing of the past. But the bottom line is you have choices. None are really superior to the other. And as Sean has said in the past, your money is your money. So the real key here, you got that DJ Khaled throw in, the real key? No? Okay. Is that... You put your money to work for you regardless of the choice that you make. Don't just rent a house, play Nintendo, and blow all the rest of the quote-unquote disposable income. Put it into something. Buy a house. Leverage the equity. Put it into something. That's it. My bottom line. I'm getting pushed off the air. My takeaway is very simple. You know, you can do all, when it comes to owning or renting a home, okay, you can do all the calculations you want. You can do the future values versus the present value and do all the trending you want. Bottom line is, if you own a home, that can create generational wealth. And I think that outweighs all the calculations that you want to do in your head, okay? You're, you're not living a selfish, all-about-me life. You're preparing. You're doing something for future generations. And I think that out trumps everything else. We, I don't even want to use the word trump. 
But in this case, I'll use the word Donald. I'll use the word Trump. But that trumps everything else that we've discussed. And second versus owning or leasing a car. If you can stick within the, within the miles, play the game. If you can't, get out the game. All right. I just wanted to share. Um, there are quite a few resources out there if you're trying to muddle through this whole concept of own, buy, or lease, um, especially when it comes to homes. There are uh, buy versus rent calculators available online to help compare costs. Um, of course, they don't take into account all the other subjective factors you need to look into, as Sean mentioned before, but it's a start. Uh, some of those calculators are New York Times The Upshot. There's also Trulia.com. Uh, Freddie Mac. I like that. Yeah. Freddie Mac has several useful um, housing calculators as well. Uh, and they also have a step-by-step mortgage guide. Uh, Khan Academy, uh, the popular free educational lecture site, they actually have a great video on renting versus buying a home. So check that out. And uh, just to end with uh, another Herbert Hoover quote, (laughs) if I may, every generation has the right to build its own world out of materials of the past cemented by the hopes of the future. Wow, that so I, I got a clap for that. I got it. Strong, strong Jay. Strong Jay. Strong Jay. Strong Jay. Dion, you keep it so high, bro. Sometimes I'm just embarrassed. I hope people get your, your corny jokes, Strong Jay. Strong. That's Eddie Murphy, if people don't know. What was the name of that movie? Listen, it's not a good joke if you have to interpret uh, I, it. I don't think the millennials are going to get that joke, dude. I just want to make sure. We got to have listen, a joke translator. Like, say, you get it? You're a millennial. We get it. Where yes, were yeah. we? Please it's email us. Please email us. Don't Strange, Oh, Lord. I can't even remember the name of the movie. What is when we, it's so it. long ago. It's before Halle Berry was even married and had four husbands, okay? That's how long ago it's been. Oh, my gosh. Halle, Halle. You are like tabloid TV today, but this is what I wanted to say. Dion, I have to give you credit for the things that you say in people, like Sean said in the beginning. Make sure you are writing things down because Dion is giving some great information. It was on two black guys with good credit the first time I ever heard of Nerd Wallet. And nowadays you can't drive in your car listening to satellite radio without them plugging Nerd Wallet as a resource to find out online information about different things. And Dion was the first one to say it. So I want to give you your kudos. And hey, I'm Arlington, one half of two black guys. You're welcome, Dion. The LA half. And I just want to say I'm out. Yeah. And I agree. I agree. I've learned a lot from this show myself too. I mean, I'm an active Trader Joe shopper because of this show. So yes, uh, thank you both Dion and Arlington for, uh, for being active contributors to this show. So I'm, oh, I'm, 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 I'm the better half, the wiser half, the always instructional half of the show. I'm out of here. All right, Linda. And I just want to remind everybody to email your questions. We want to hear from you at Two Black Guys at Good Credit at Financially Clean. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Cred. I am Dion Nichols, the lady with the facts, feeling very loved today. And I'm out. Yes.